For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, Sheriff Tiraspol shocked the world with some Champions League magic on Tuesday night, although the less said about their questionable ownership, uh, the better, uh, by beating Real Madrid to go top of their Champions League group with two wins from two. Uh, but it was in League One where the real Scouted Football nuts will have had their attention diverted, uh, as Scott Twine of MK Dons and Longshot fame struck a first career hat-trick. Uh, that's just a little taster of this week's episode, though, which is, of course, discussing play uh, who've caught the eye in the EFL at the beginning of the 2021-22 season, as you can probably tell by the title of this week's episode. Uh, but without further ado, it's uh, time to introduce this week's guest. Uh, it's my trusted friend and associate, Mr. Elliot Jackson of the Championship Chat podcast. Uh, now, this man's breadth of knowledge across the four divisions below the English Premier League, and I do count the National League for good reason, uh, is somewhat unrivaled. So it was a bit of a no-brainer to discuss some exciting young players with him today. Uh, Elliot, a pleasure to make your, your scouted debut. Um, you planning on doing anything special with this scouted cap we're going to send you? Maybe stick it up on the wall behind you, frame it maybe? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going in that, that little slot I've got behind me on, on my background. It'll be a, a trusted possession. If there's any house fires, it'll be the first thing I go after. <laughs> thank you for that uh, for that very generous introduction. I'll slip you that tenor later on. <laughs> well, I hope uh, hope there's no house fires, obviously. But um, yeah, it's uh, no, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, and and of course, you know, you're you're the host of the Championship Chat podcast. Um, you you support Sheffield Wednesday in, in League One. I hope you don't mind me telling people. Uh, and uh, you cover Grimsby Town, or you will do by the time this podcast is out. Um, you've got fingers and pies across the football league and and national league. I mean, it's yeah, you you, you must feel exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the the best leagues in the world to cover, uh, in particular the Championship, which is, as you say, what, what we run our podcast on. Um, unfortunately, my uh, my knowledge in League One's got a lot stronger given Wednesday got relegated last year. Um, but I don't mind you mentioning that because they, they won at Wigan last night, which was a nice uh, nice surprise after how things have been going recently. But no, it's uh, it's been great. And yeah, I'm looking forward to, to covering Grimsby in the not-too-distant future and uh, a new role I'll start next week so that'll be good to, to get an even more uh, in-depth knowledge on the National League which has got plenty of gems as well that always make their way up the football pyramid and that's uh, that's why we love the EFL. Yeah definitely and I think we'll we'll discuss some players who've maybe had had uh, some some experience in the National League as well on this podcast um, but we've we've done the usual we've we've selected six players who uh, five of which are in the championship uh, one of which being in uh, League One uh, who've you know caught the eye this season some who have had prior experience of the EFL some who are really getting their first taste of of uh, the the respective leagues that they're currently playing in um, but you know I think it's probably best that we start off with with the, the man that we just discussed there uh, Scott Twine who is uh, who who scored a hat trick uh, the the night before we're recording uh, MK Dons three uh, Fleetwood Town three um, he's 22 years old is sort of a, a supporting forward I think it's fair to say. Um, creative three key passes per 90 I think he's got at the moment uh, wins fouls quite regularly as well uh, but the thing that anybody who knows of Scott Twine already uh, will know about him is that he absolutely adores a long shot which to the miserly among us who you know would maybe go straight to, to XG and say oh well he's not going to score very many from from these positions 
Well, he's actually doing his best to kind of book that that trend. Um, he's got an absolutely ridiculous shot map at times, um, but he's also playing for quite a fun and interesting team in 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 MK Dons. Um, not the the footballing purists' favourite team, it's fair to say. But uh, this season alone, um, they're they're a bit of a curious case. Um, you know, Russell Martin, who was their previous uh, head coach, has been headhunted by Swansea City. Uh, so Liam Manning has come in, um, and uh, yeah, they're playing quite well at the moment. I think they're third in League One. Uh, playing in a very sort of possession-heavy style, uh, and and famously last season, uh, I do I do remember a fleeting mention on the Scouted Football podcast. I did say that uh, that MK Dons had been using their goalkeeper uh, as a right back of sorts in build-up, which is quite quite interesting. I just and and while I was watching clips of Scott Twine earlier this week. They're doing it again. I mean, maybe not exclusively at right back, but they are using uh, their goalkeeper. I think he's called Andy Fisher uh, as 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 a as a, as a auxiliary defender in build up. But um, yeah, they uh, they are a, an interesting side to follow this season, not just because of Twine, um, but he is one of those players who's had non league stints. Um, he he was on loan in in the national league and, and also in the League of Ireland uh, from previous parent club Swindon uh, before. Well, hitting the big time I've got down here, but maybe not hitting the big time with Newport County. But for anybody who follows the the EFL, it certainly was because you know he just the repertoire of finishes that he had from outside the area were just sublime. But um, yeah, he earned a, a permanent move to, to MK Dons and, and started the season very very well. Um, six goals and two assists in nine or ten games, I think it is so far this uh, this year. Um, and he's been playing in behind uh, Tottenham Hotspur loney Troy Parrott in sort of a number 10 supporting striker role, as I mentioned. Uh, and, you know, if that wasn't enough, he's already scored two free kicks. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a pretty interesting case. Uh, and, and at 22 years old, he's still very much within the scouted football sphere of influence. Um, Elliot, I mean, have, have you come across, have Sheffield Wednesday come across Scott Twine yet this season? Not yet. Um, there's, I don't know when they play Okadons actually off the top of my head, but no, they've not played them yet. But uh, yeah, Scott Twine's really interesting player and, and his trajectory um, in particular has been been brilliant. I mean, only as recently as the 2019-20 season, he was playing on loan at uh, Chippenham Town uh, from Swindon on loan, as you quite rightly pointed out. And, and last year he was on loan at uh, Newport as well. Um, and he had a really good spell up until January, which is what saw him recalled and Play plays still a really important role for for Swindon despite their relegation back to to League Two, but obviously the off the field issue has issues had plenty to do with that as well. Uh, and as you say, he's now playing a starring role for MK Dons under Liam Manning. Who, you know, he feels like a player Scott Twine. He's quite unorthodox, and it quite suits almost MK Dons as a club, as you've quite uh, quite well put together there under under Russell Martin the way that they played so possession heavy and, and they've sort of continued that under Liam Manning but equally um, there seems to be a little bit more pragmatism to them this year where they're not afraid at times to, to mix things up a little bit whereas at times that you could sort of level the accusation under under Russell Martin that it was possession for possession's sake at times certainly would play themselves into into trouble but on Scott Twine particularly as, as you right said his is you know his dominating skill set or uh, skill is his long range shooting is he's a specialist um free kicks um anything from 30 yards he, he's just mastered that technique of of it's almost a little bit like the way that ronaldo used to strike free kicks um i won't compare him to ronaldo because ronaldo's free kick record is, is quite abysmal to be fair isn't it so <laughs> compared uh, to scott twine scott, anyway yeah. exactly so that's uh that's doing scott twine a disservice comparing him to ronaldo that that's the the lead line of what i've just said um, but yeah, he's got um, great quality in that right foot from distance. I saw him at the back end 
of last season where I was, last day of the season actually in May where I was covering Wigan Athletic um, against Swindon and uh, Wigan were like 3-1 up and absolutely dominating. And then in the last 20 minutes, despite being down to 10 men, uh, well, Wigan were down to 10 men, sorry, they they, they came back, Swindon, and, and Twine just rocketed a free kick in from about 25 yards to, to be the catalyst. Then equalised in like the 91st minute and then they went and won it 4-3 on the final day in the like the 94th minute. I mean, they were already relegated at this point, but it just showed that that wasn't a, a deterrent for him. And I'm not surprised. Well, I'm surprised that someone perhaps a little bit higher up the pyramid or even one of the bigger clubs in League One didn't pick him up and didn't take a chance on him because it looked like a really, really good option for, for plenty of clubs in League One or, or even the Championship. You think someone like perhaps Blackpool could have picked him up. He wouldn't have cost them a, a lot of money by any means on wages and it was a free transfer, if, if I'm right in saying, I'm pretty sure. So he would have been a good pickup. And at 22, he's, he's certainly got a, quite a high ceiling. So I'm excited to see how he progresses this season, if he can con- continue that consistency. Um, nine goals last year was a good total, so if he can hit double figures this year for a team that will create plenty of chances for him and for the the attackers they've got, as you say, uh, Troy Parrott in that forward line, Mo Issa as well. Um, it's an exciting team, MK Dons, and it's a team that a lot of people fancied pre-season before Russell Martin left to, to certainly challenge the top six in what is a, a relentless league one. Uh, lineup this year, so many big clubs littered around in the third tier of English football. So it'll be interesting how MK Dons do and and how he continues his progression, Scott Twine. But I wouldn't, I would expect to perhaps see him certainly playing at Championship level in the next couple of years, and that could well be with MK Dons. To be fair, with their current trajectory and the way that they're progressing. Yeah, I think one of the things that that perhaps viewers who maybe don't tune into League One, the Championship, League Two on a, on a weekly basis, one of the things that those those sorts of Premier League supporters look forward to is the playoffs at the end of the year. You know, say for example, you're supporting a a mid-table Premier League team who don't really have a great deal riding on the last few matches. You know, you, you might be looking at, ahead at those those playoff games and thinking, you know, what I'm I'm sitting down, I'm I'm, I'm gonna you might, might go to the pub for those. You know, really want to just get to know. Uh, a, a few of the sort of protagonists from that specific season, and I mean, we've—I mean, playoff football is absolutely box office. I mean, it is—it is one of the best. It is Christmas Day. It is absolutely <laughs> Christmas Day. It is one of the best days in the football calendar, isn't it? Um, but I think we could be seeing if 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 MK Dons don't uh, go up automatically. I think it's based on the first ten or so games of the season. I think it's fairly likely that they'll be in or around, to use a very, very frequently used footballing phrase, uh, in, in or around the playoffs uh, this season. So Scott Twine hopefully will be uh, one of those protagonists that I just mentioned. And with MK Dons, uh, I did sort of stumble across um, a, a chant. I don't, I don't know whether it's a chant, but it's something which has definitely been sort of doubled as a chant on Twitter. Uh, and it's apparently because of how possession heavy they are, uh, the fans have supposedly taken to singing, pass the ball, pass the ball, Liam Manning. Um, obviously, in tribute to to the possession heavy style that they have got, uh, I can't remember what is the song that that's sort of the the tune to. Pass the ball, pass the ball, Liam Manning. I'm relying on you here, Elliot, for, for a little bit. I was bit just of... trying to say that I'd not I'd not realised that I was acting as Shazam for this, this podcast. <laughs> I'd, not, I'd not done my preparation on on song chant, so I it's, it's the first time that I've decided to sing on the podcast. So I, I, I suppose that just tells I you how honoured. Really. So in some ways, you're serenading me. Well, you know, in a way, yeah, you've kind of put me at that level of ease that I feel comfortable enough to to maybe do a rendition of a supporters a, a terrace chant, if you will. But um, moving very very swiftly on um, to to the next player on our list, uh, and it's 
it's one of your selections uh, and we'll move it up to, to the championship, Elliot. Uh, and that's Tyrese Dolan, who perhaps has the best spelling of the name Tyrese that I've ever come across. Um, he's 19 years old, seems to sort of play across the front line for Blackburn Rovers. Um, but last time I watched him personally, he was sort of out wide. But uh, this year seems to have played a, a little bit more centrally. Um What's he? What's he been like this season so far? Elliot, you know, why is he? Why would he sort of right at the top of your list as somebody who is sort of a name to remember in the EFL? Yeah, he's he's very much my guilty pleasure in the Championship. Tyrese Dolan this season. He's well in general since I first clocked him. Um, he, he started last season really well, and it sort of came from no one. He was one of those players where you look at the starting lineup at the start of a season, looking who's playing for who after preseason, and wasn't aware of this name, new name. Do a bit of research and. He's got a really interesting history in the fact that he, he was ditched by Preston, who of course rivals to, to Blackburn on the on the Lancashire coast, um, and he was ditched by them and, and picked up by Blackburn aged eighteen. And he made an absolutely blistering start to the season, and he'd never he'd not been on loan particularly anywhere. He'd literally come straight out of academy football and gone straight into the Blackburn starting eleven. Um, and he just looks so exciting, so quick, so direct, raw at times, but. Just so much. He's just he's just the sort of player that gets fans off the seat, brings excitement to football. Um, and it's fair to say he, he fell out of form a little bit towards the back end of the season, as Blackburn did. Blackburn had a horrendous twenty twenty one in uh, twenty twenty two. Sorry, in the the back end of the year after Christmas, um, they really struggled under Tony Mowbray. And, and to be fair, on on our podcast, we very much expected him to get sacked in the summer, or certainly we were advocates of of a change for them because they did massively underperform with the squad they had available last year, but. He's really benefited from what happened in the summer where Blackburn have really streamlined the squad. They've, they've shipped out some of the older players, Lewis Holtby, for example. Um, Adam Armstrong, of course, moved on to Southampton in the summer. And he's really benefited. He's, he's got the number 10 shirt from Lewis Holtby and as a, a squad number enthusiast myself, I love to see players upgrade their numbers like that with that sort of confidence. And he's playing a new role where he's playing almost as a, a central striker, but it's very much in the mould of sort of as a split striker system where Although he starts down the middle, he essentially becomes the number 10 with uh, Ben Burton-Diaz, who I'm sure we're all acquainted with now after his exploits with Chile in the summer, um, playing down the left-hand side. And San Gallagher, who's more a traditional number nine, although he's got a, a turn of pace which allows him to, to operate in this role, playing on the right-hand side. So it's almost a front three with Dolan, the only natural winger playing down the middle, which is unorthodox. But then when Blackburn have got possession, um, Dolan will drop in almost as a number 10 and uh, the two wide forwards will become central strikers. And that's mainly because of his pressing ability and his ability to, to hound defenders and win the ball back. And as I said, he's so fast and so quick that he's just a nightmare to defend against. And that was really showcased on the opening day of the season where uh, Blackburn beat Swansea City. Um, Stephen Bender, the goalkeeper for Swansea, who's, who's since been dropped and had a nightmare introduction to the championship. Um, he, he caused him all sorts of problems, dispossessing him. Again, this was Russell Martin's first game as manager, so they were trying to play out from the back with a from a, a defence that was schooled under Steve Cooper's slightly more direct style last season, and it was an absolute field day for for Broughton Diaz and for for Dolan as well. And I, I really liked it. I saw him live at the start of last season in September when I covered Derby County. I covered Blackburn, sorry, away at Derby County, and they won four 0 that day, and he he was absolutely sensational and just streamlining the squad a little bit has given him that sort of sense of prevalence in the squad. He's, he's you know, he's higher up the food chain, if you like. Um, and like Brereton Diaz, Mowbray deserves a lot of credit for the fact that he's he's building a, a much younger squad now at Blackburn. Jacob Davenport's another one that's come through this year. John Buckley as well. 
and that are looking all the better for for being more senior figures and more first team names rather than sort of being on the periphery. And Dolan's really exciting, and as you said, at only nineteen, I expect although he's going to have dips in form as as all young players do, especially attackers uh, of his mould, where young wing type players and they can be erratic at times. But I'm really excited by him and I certainly think that he's definitely one to keep an eye on. And I feel like if Blackburn are going to have a good season, which from the start they've made after nine games, they're doing better than a lot of people predicted. Um, If they do finish in the playoffs or or even a top 10, top half finish, he'll certainly play a a strong role in that, I would expect. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's important that we also discuss, uh, even even if it's just briefly, Ben Brereton Diaz, because obviously he's now, you know, he's he, he's eligible for Chile. He's starred in a Chilean Pepsi ad. He's just an oh, absolutely brilliant story. Uh, very, very left field and about how it all came about. Um, but I love the fact that this is now his sixth season in the championship. It's still just 22 years old, by the way. Um, but he is now, you know, blanket being referred to as Ben Brereton Diaz, even though the fact that for five years he's just been Ben Brereton. I, I like those little nuggets, much like you like your squad numbers, uh, Elliot, then that's that's kind of my jam a little bit. But I think with with Dolan, you, you know how you said it was quite unconventional that you know he's through the middle for the most part this season, at least, um, but he's sort of the only recognised winger. I think that does definitely make it... Um, quite interesting quite quite difficult to, to to handle when it comes to to transitions and how interchangeable that front three can be um and i think with adam armstrong being sold to southampton uh, this summer you know blackburn did lose something quite you know while it was predictable that you know you knew he was going to be good but you know going behind the defense if you played a high line um then it was still that unpredictability factor of when he'd choose to make those runs. So I think credit where it's due, you know, if Blackburn have, have made a, a better start than expected, I think, you know, there, there'll be no, um, that's that's in no small part down to the sort of the innovation that they've had to do up front. Um, and, and as well with Dolan, I think it must also be said that, you know, Blackburn brought in um, some some attacking players on loan this season, Reda Kadra from, from Brighton and Ian Paveda from Leeds. Uh, and, and, for the most part, I don't think Dolan's minutes have been impacted too much. So, um, yeah, I think that's a reflection of how well he's done and and the uh, the the faith that's been placed in him. We're going to go to to another player in the championship now, uh, and uh, we're going to go across across Sheffield. We're we're going to have to discuss one player in particular uh, who's made a, an interesting start to life as a as a senior player at Sheffield United, Elliot. Um, and I hope that you won't be too bitter to discuss how sort of impressive he has been in the championship so far. But uh, Inaman Ndai, uh, who's 21 years old, uh, an up-and-coming attacking midfielder uh, at, at Bramall Lane. Uh, and, you know, um, with with Sheffield United at the moment, under Slavisa Jukanovic, uh, who will probably be a familiar name to many, um, you know, given his stints at the likes of Fulham. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Blades are going through a bit of a rebuild of sorts. And for me, I've always thought that players who maybe were always on the, the periphery, to use a turn of phrase that you had there earlier, Elliot, and maybe are always on the fringes, um, you know, somebody who's been coming through the under-23s and just just needed that opportunity, needed a few other players to depart or, you know, needed the the pressure to be lifted um, to, to come through. I think an Ilaman and Dai is definitely a player who uh, is, is benefiting from that this season, certainly in terms of the minutes he has. Um, scored a double against uh, Peterborough United. Uh, has played around four championship games so far, um, and 
has recently signed a new contract until 2024. So again, that's another indication that this is a, a player that, that the club want to hold on to, that they value um, and and definitely has sort of a bright future this season, if if not further on. Yeah, absolutely. The, the new contract that you referenced there was, was the big part in this because people would be mistaken for saying that they've just signed him in the summer because he's been nowhere near the first team squad, but he's been at Sheffield United for a couple of years, actually, and he was on loan in the National League last year. And all the indications in pre-season were they wanted to give him a go. You know, Jukanovic wanted to change the style. They, they played 3-5-2 and 3-4-3 in the Championship before that under Chris Wilder for so many seasons. And they got a squad built to play with wing-backs. They didn't have any wingers in the squad, but Jukanovic was clear he wanted to move to a 4-3-3-4-2-3-1. And they didn't really have any number 10s either ever since um, Mark Duffy left the club, really. Luke Freeman, it's just not worked for him since moving to Queen's Park Rangers, albeit uh, from Queen's Park Rangers, albeit that he seems a natural fit in that position, but it's, it's just not worked out for him. So, and Dai, it was very much a case where they wanted to get him integrated, but they were refusing to play him until he signed this new contract. And it was when he signed this new contract that he, got, he literally got put from not even in the squad straight into the starting eleven against Peterborough. And United recorded their first win of the season. And, and in style as well, hitting six over Posh when they'd managed just one goal in the previous, I think it was five games before they played Peterborough. Um, so they managed one goal and then they hit him for six, which is just typical championship, isn't it? But... What I like about Ndai is he's not your typical silky French playmaker, as you like. Um, he's very much more in the mould. It reminds me of Deli Alley a little bit in the way that he's a little bit more, um, trying to put this in the right phrase, he's a little bit more stocky. In- he's, industrious. Uh, not, he's- yeah, he doesn't quite move with the ball as, as silkily as, as some you might imagine that play in that position, especially at championship level. Someone like an Ilias Chair, for example. Um yeah, he's a little bit more robust than, and a bit more industry, industrious, as you said. Um, you're quite rightly in saying that. And yeah, I, I like I like the look of him a lot. I, f- I think what I like is that he can mix it up. And, and since United have, have turned a corner and they beat Peter Brill, they've gone to this four-two-three-one with Morgan Gibbs White on the right hand side, Ben Osborne on the left, and and Die playing as that number ten and Billy Sharp leading the line. And the good thing about Billy Sharp is obviously if you get in the service and put the ball in the six-yard box, he's going to score your goals at Championship level. He's he's got that now. He's got that pedigree, but he needs someone that's got the ability to run beyond him. And that's obviously what Ndai offers, which is good. That physicality like Deli Alley used to do with Harry Kane for so many years at Tottenham when he was in his pomp. Um, rather than sort of these playmakers like to always come towards the ball, Ndai's someone that can stretch the pitch as well and go beyond Sharp, which is, he's, I think he's 35 now, Billy Sharp. He's not going to have the legs to do that and offer you that. So if you're going to have him as your focal point, you need players that can go beyond. And I think that was summed up really nicely, his skill set in those two goals against Peterborough uh, about a month ago now. The first one arriving late on the edge of the area, nice composed finish into the corner after good work from Morgan's Gib- Morgan Gibbs-White. And then the second, getting in the box, getting in the six-yard box. It was actually Billy Sharp that set him up. He got a hat-trick of assists that day, actually, funnily enough, Sharp. Um, crossed with his left foot at the byline and, and dies in the six-yard box where you'd expect Sharp to be heading the ball into the back of the net because he's quite tall, as said. So so I see those similarities to Deli Alley a little bit, the way he burst onto the scene. And I think he's going to be in and out the side a little bit at times. I think there will be times where he's chopped and changed. But I think the potential's there. And to say it's his first year of, of senior football in the EFL, never mind straight in at championship level for a team that should be and will want to have aspirations of challenging near the top and earning promotion back to the Premier League. Um, it's a big, you know, it's a big hand of faith from Jukanovic. And I'm excited to see how he can go forward this season. 
Yeah, definitely. I think I'm so pleased you mentioned those late penalty box arrivals because that's exactly the phrase that I've got written down sort of on my prep sheet. That was the the first thing that I noticed when sort of watching him with with Sheffield United. Uh, and and by all accounts, you know, you 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 say that of course you might have thought oh he's a new signing has come in from maybe a league deux club and and uh, pretty pretty low key, you know, given that Sheffield United were relegated from the Premier League last season. But no, he's been there for a few years. Um, last year, I think you know, I'm right in saying that he kind of tore it up at under-23 level in the Professional Development League, which is the, the league below PL2, uh, which sort of the elite academies in, in England play in. Um, and and, and Dai's story is a real, real interesting one. And he this is probably one of the, the major reasons why I've, I've selected him today, uh, because, you know, he is a background which perhaps isn't... Uh, emblematic of a, of a player that you might see slotting into a Sheffield United team ordinarily, um, because you know he, he's as as Elliot mentioned, you know he's French, uh, twenty one years old, but um, growing up in Rouen, uh, which is a, a town or a city, it might be in, in France, uh, spent some time with Olympique de Marseille. Uh, he then returned to uh, Senegal, where uh, I think one of his parents is from. Uh, he's, he's a dual national in that sense. Uh, before he then moved to London at around age fourteen. Um, which purely by chance he was picked up by Boreham Wood, who are, of course, a National League side. Uh, and that was through a, a community program in London where they didn't have an, an education provider and Boreham Wood kind of stepped in and, and took on all these young young footballers. And uh, and Dai was sort of the, the one who prevailed throughout. You know, he wasn't interested in, um, you know, looking for, a, for another career. It was always very single-minded and, you know, very focused on, you know, just becoming a footballer at all costs. And, and ultimately, uh, his, his his move to Sheffield United was a reflection of that. Was a reflection of how he'd been doing very well with with Boreham Woods' younger teams, uh, and and the, the, I suppose uh, must be a commendation for for the scouting at, at Sheffield United as well. But yeah, he's one which I think will probably play intermittently unless he does take on some you know an incredible level of importance in the next few games uh, under Jukanovic because again his you know his his experience is limited, but. Um, certainly from the first, I don't know, 300, 400 minutes in championship football, he's definitely been um, been, been one of uh, one of intrigue for me. Um, moving on to your to your next pick, uh, Elliot, and you've gone with a Northern Irishman, haven't you? Yeah, really um, one of the most interesting ones in the, the championship for me. Um, someone, again, I knew nothing about before the start of the season. That's Shane Lavery um, of Blackpool, who's uh, hit the ground running in the FL and He's got a great story in the fact that he's probably one of the most unorthodox players or least known in this group that we're going to talk about and what we have talked about. Signed from Linfield in the summer uh, in Northern Ireland uh, from Blackpool. As I said, 31 goals last term, but obviously in the North, Northern Irish League. So you, you, you're you questioning how how does that translate in terms of goal ratio? One in three, maybe? One in four in terms of um, an average against the Championship, perhaps? Uh, hard to say. I'm, I'm not a big watcher of the Northern Ireland Leagues in in their defence. Um, but the thing that I like about him, he reminds me a lot, and I'm not trying to compare every single player to a Premier League player here as I do this. He reminds me of a very raw version of Jamie Vardy in the way that he plays. Really, really relentless. Brilliant at playing on the last shoulder of the defence. And he's, he's just relentless in his movement. He's not the most clinical in terms of he probably needs free free chances and he'll put one of them away. That's what I mean when I say he's raw. But his movement's so good, you can guarantee he will get three chances every game. So he's almost guaranteeing you a goal a game. He's got four in ten already this season for a Blackpool side that started very slowly, that that struggled and certainly were one of the teams that many tipped to get relegated this this season, having come up from League One in the playoffs last year. 
It's a team that isn't filled with championship experience, apart from Richard Keogh and uh, Chris Maxwell in goal. It's uh, very much a League One sort of team that's that's risen through the divisions. And he's been a brilliant pickup. And, and Blackpool have won three of the last four games now. Um, drew last night with Hull City um, to make it five unbeaten. And they've been really impressive, Blackpool, in, in sort of the way they've found their feet. And Lavery's been at the forefront of that. And as I say, it reminds me a lot of the way that um, Leicester picked up Vardy from Fleetwood, of course, from non-league. And all, you could just see that, that he's, he just comes alive on the last shoulder. And it just makes it, 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 just makes it a dream for midfielders when you've got Kevin Stewart, obviously, schooled at Liverpool, uh, having come through. So the technical quality he's got, you don't even really need to look up. You know, he plays sort of balls into the right area, even if it's not that accurate. Um, Lavery's going to uh, get onto the end of it, and and the goal that he scored at the weekend uh, to score a one 0 win over Barnsley pretty much summed that up. Where it's a a ball into the channel, a little bit of a nothing ball, and he's alive to it. He's on the last shoulder. He breaks past with that pace he's got. Comes inside, lovely finesse finish into the far corner, like Henri used to do typically, um, to try and paint you a bit of a visual picture. And he's one of the players I've enjoyed the most from the Championship this season, just because of he's a little bit more old school, a little bit more unorthodox, but he's making it work in the championship and he's someone that, you know, we've seen a lot of great imports come from, from you know, the lower regions of Scotland and Ireland in the championship and make a, way, a name for themselves and work their way up. And, and Lavery certainly looks like somebody that, if he can add some polish to his game, which playing in England, he's going to be exposed to better coaching, a different re- regime and routines that are a little bit more professional with the money involved that if he could polish up different parts of his game at 22, he's a real prospect and a great pickup from Blackpool. I'm really glad that you mentioned the the coaching element there because he's obviously working under Neil Critchley at Blackpool, who uh, you know was was involved with Liverpool's development squad. Yeah, I think he was uh, the the head coach there for a number of years. Uh, and I'm curious to think, based on what I know about Blackpool's other recruitment this summer, um, whether Critchley has had a hand in Lavery's acquisition from Linfield, where I think it was 22 and 26 he got last season. So you know, averaging a goal every game, and so far this season he's averaging one every other game. Um, but Lavery spent a, a, you know, a period in Everton's under-23s, Everton's under-18s. Um, so I, I do wonder whether uh, Critchley, whether Lavery has been on Critchley's radar for some time and then him returning to, to Northern Ireland uh, and you know performing very well for Linfield, who, let's not forget, do compete in European competition at times. Um, you know whether that has has alerted him to 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 him potentially being a transfer target and, and subsequently being signed by Blackpool. So, um, yeah, I do wonder whether there's been an element of that uh, in in that signing. But I do I do get what you're saying. You know the the whole Jamie Vardy uh, comparisons. You know he, it it is striking how you know he, he does love to play on the on the last man, and um, there is there is definitely an element of uh, do I want to say old school unorthodox. Yeah, I, I think he's he's not one dimensional, but he's very you know he he's very he knows what he's good at, and it's sort he's of just direct, teammate. isn't it? Yeah, he's direct, and while uh, I imagine that he's probably not going to be a, a top level forward, a la Jamie Vardy, because you know you have to find a club which are willing to sort of build around you when you have that style. Um, I do think he could quite comfortably be um, a, a very adept championship striker in in a, in a well coached team, which is you know catered to his strengths. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Plays on the counter attack, and uh, it'll certainly be a threat this season. Yeah, 
moving on to, to our next pick, uh, and that is Levi Colwell, who is, I believe, the only player who is currently on loan uh, from our selected six. Uh, he's 18 years old, uh, playing as a left-sided central defender for Huddersfield Town this season. Uh, and it's, the, you know, it's, it's quite rare to see a, a defender of his age, a central defender, that is, starting uh, regularly and starting seamlessly uh, in, in the second tier. Um, and I think, you know, the, it, it does help the fact that he's playing in a back three more, more often than not, um, because, you know, you do have those two other central defenders to sort of bail you out if needs be. But he's a very confident player. I think that I I'd not had a great deal of knowledge about Colwell, aside from the fact that he was a, a Chelsea, a Chelsea boy uh, before uh, coming to Huddersfield. But since um, since he started to to pop, his names continued to pop up on my timeline on Twitter over and over this season, and was partly the motivation to to record this episode in particular. Because having watched him now, while it's not always successful, and while there does need to be sort of an element of of, of refining the 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 decision making of when he steps out from defence, he does do it very frequently, and he's very adept at doing so for such a young player. And at his, at his age, with his with his his experience or lack of uh, of sort of championship level football to be able to 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 carry out the the carries and the dribbles and the 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 progressive nature that he's playing with at the moment is is very impressive um and i suppose is indicative of somebody who has been you know encouraged and, and coaxed into that style uh, as a as a ball play as a ball carrying central defender at chelsea um you know, the intent being there is probably the best thing for me. Um, and while, you know, Huddersfield haven't exactly been watertight at the back, for the time being, I don't think that's important uh, for his development. I mean, Huddersfield fans are probably likely to, to disagree with me there, given that, you know, you want your team to, con- to, to concede as few and score as many as possible. But um, I do think that he's uh, he's somebody who will maybe go down as one of the, the more uh, you know the, the ones that got away, sort of low knees. I, I, I doubt that there will be any opportunity for him to stay at the end of the season, um, depending on you know how he progresses. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely impressed me. Yeah, he's been really good, and it's the right club, uh, the right fit for a player like that in Carlos Corbran, who's of course schooled under the Marcelo Bielsa um, regime and tactics and philosophy of football. Um, Although Huddersfield haven't been watertight, it has to be mentioned that they had the worst defence in the league last year and there's seven teams already with a worse defence than them this year. So there's definitely been an improvement, but you could also caveat with the fact that they're playing a completely different back five and goalkeeper than they did last year, given they brought in Lee Nichols, Silver Thomas, of course, at right wing back, um, Tom Lees, Matty Pearson, Colwell and um, Harry Toffler is the only one that's, that's stayed in at, at left back and... The interesting thing for me, what you touched on there a little bit about the fact that it's a back three, so it gives them that more, that uh, that greater security, that greater confidence that they can step out because there's two central defenders behind him, is the fact that Huddersfield actually fell on the three-four-three that they played for the bulk of the season by um, circumstance rather than design. I covered them quite a bit in, in pre-season, and the the idea was very much they were going to play four-three-three, four-two-three-one this year. But then on the eve of the opening day of the season away at Derby, both their left-backs got COVID. So Harry Toffolo was out, um, Josh Ruffles was out, and they had to go to a back three um, to allow Silver Thomas to play left wing-back, essentially, because they didn't have any full-backs. So Thomas went to left wing-back and starred in those performances, and that's how they almost stumbled on the, the back three, because they didn't play. Although they used it last season, pre-season it was all flat four, flat four, four, two, three, one. So, And I actually asked Carlos Corbran about that in a press conference, not that 
long ago and, and it was not their intention by any means to do that. But for his development, um, you think that's probably better in terms of just getting used to the right moments of when to carry the ball, when to release the ball, as you touched on then. He would have played regardless he was going to play at centre-back alongside um, Matty Pearson in a back four. So that would have been a completely different challenge. And I think that's an important challenge that will come later in his career. I think we've seen that a little bit with Ben White, for example, someone that was really good at carrying the ball for Brighton in that right centre-back channel. And it was a segment on Friday Night Football, actually, on the the opening day of the season on um, when they played at Brentford, where it's just a different game when you're playing in a back four compared to back three, the risks you can take as a ball-playing defender. So that'll come. Um, but given that Chelsea also play a back three and Thomas Tuchel, we've seen with Trevor Chalaber how even if you're really on the fringes and, and everyone's expecting you to go back out. And I have to say, I have not been once that impressed with Tre- Trevor Chalaber at championship level. So for him to go and absolutely tear it up and uh, play really well in pre-season and, and when he's played in the Premier League just shows that staying sometimes in the system does has, have its merits because if the right manager then comes along, then you might get that opportunity. And Chelsea, in two occasions where the fact they've had Frank Lampard, who's obviously blooded all the youngsters previously, and now Tuchel, whilst he's spending money, is clearly keeping an eye on these players and not dismissing them. Um, Colwell's got a really interesting chance. He's only 18, but you do look at that left centre-back role at Chelsea with Antonio Rudiger and the, the uncertainty over his future and wonder if there's a spot there, not as the first choice next year or, or in 18 months, but you know as the understudy at left centre-back or then maybe in three years breaking in. So be interesting to see how he continues to develop, how the Chelsea situation um, works his way out but he's a really confident lad he was saying in pre-season you know there's no point in me sitting in the Chelsea reserves I don't want to play under 23 football I'm only 18 but I want to come play cutthroat championship football where it matters you know where, where there's people paying on the turnstiles and the results matter to people development's great but equally if he wants to play for a team like Chelsea winning is is the mentality that you've got to have in order to to succeed in a, an environment like at Stamford Bridge so Colwell's been really good. As I say, Huddersfield have improved defensively, although they've still leaked a few. Um, to go from the worst record in the Championship to 17th is, is an improvement. Um, and I've been really impressed with him and certainly would expect that he will be one that's potentially on loan in the Premier League next season because he seems a natural fit to play um, at that level. And then potentially I could see him progressing into the Chelsea first team. I really could. It all depends on who the manager is, of course. And we can't really take a, a five-year plan with Chelsea's squad with the way they change managers and spend money. But equally, he's someone you'd like to think that's got a real chance. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Trevor Chalabar as well because obviously he started the season um, in the Chelsea first team. And I, I don't think too many people outside of Chelsea's spheres of influence might have predicted that. But when you look at the the progression that he's had, um, you know, obviously very decorated with England's under-17s, um, but then went on loan to Ipswich Town, went on loan to Huddersfield, as it was, um, in 2019-20. Uh, and then last year was, was on loan at... Um, was on loan at Lorient in in France. So, yeah, I th- I'd say Colwell is at the beginning of that sort of journey that that Trevor Chalaba has been on. Um, you know, tr- trying to get regular minutes at a, at a good level, and um, yeah, he, he's doing very well. I think it would be good to mention very briefly as well, Sorba Thomas, who uh, obviously was also as well as Ilham Alendai was at Boreham Wood, but was obviously playing a, a, a first team role there. Now, just been called up to the Wales squad for the first time. Um, and has been, you know, the the creative player in in the championship this season. So, um, yeah, Sorba Thomas is definitely uh, a name to remember in in the championship this season, considering that he has come from 
you know, the the National League and playing nearly 100 games for Bournemouth uh, to now being a, sort of a protagonist in the championship. Last up for us, our sixth player uh, is a 20-year-old attacking player. We've gone quite heavy on attacking players today. I'll have to redress the it's balance. More fun. It's more fun. Yeah, it? I think we'll have to redress the balance the next time we do one of these, just exclusively defenders and goalkeepers. Um, yeah, Brennan Johnson uh, has been uh, has been good for, for Nottingham Forest this season. Uh, another player who has got not extensive EFL experience, but he's definitely got a, a year's full of a year full of senior football under his belt, having spent last season on loan at Lincoln City, uh, where he and, and Morgan Rogers, um, who was a Manchester City loanee now with Bournemouth, uh, both tore it up. Um, Johnson got eleven goals and five assists at Sinsel Bank for for Lincoln uh, last year, um, and and he's pretty versatile. Um, Forest have not started the season well at all. Uh, they seemed to have turned a corner, uh, beating Huddersfield. See, all, all of these players interlink, I promise. Um, they, uh, they they seem to have turned a corner a little bit uh, with Johnson bursting down the right flank and sort of setting up for, for Lewis Craven in the middle uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that is that is essentially what, what Johnson is good at. You know, he likes to drive from deep. He's very good at, at beating a player sort of when it looks as though all hope is lost. Uh, and as with promising young Welsh players in the EFL, just like Solber Thomas, uh, he is already capped by his country. So um, he is, yeah, he, he's another one who I, I think it was difficult to ignore, even if his team were, weren't doing uh, as well as expected. Um, Elliot, what, what's your, your stance been on sort of Brennan Johnson? Because I, I imagine you've probably seen plenty of him already, even though he is only 20 years old. Yeah, he's been a, a bright spark in an otherwise very dull start to the season for, for Nottingham Forest, which obviously led to the departure of Chris Hewton and, and rightly so because they've just become a very boring side to watch, which, you know, is a little bit sad because Chris Hewton's been so good at championship level and, and has great pedigree and I'm sure he'll be a great manager again, but the fit just wasn't right, especially after the changes behind the scene with Dane Murphy coming in as CEO from Barnsley. And, you know, if you look at Barnsley's recent recruitment and you look at Nottingham Forest, they couldn't be more contrasting. So it was never going to be a relationship that was going to last the course and, Things turned pretty sour with the the supporters as well. They were just ready for a change. And despite that, Brennan Johnson's been fantastic. As you said, 11 goals and five assists last year. And he's almost not been tainted by the struggles of Forrest last season without fans in the fact that he's used that momentum he built in League One with Lincoln and really carried that into the new season. Um, I think he's started every game so far this season and he's either played out wide or you quite rightly point out he could play as a central player as an attacking midfielder. And his, his supreme skill is is absolutely ball-carrying. Uh, we've seen two lung-busting runs already this season, which have directly led to goals. You quite rightly pointed out the one at Huddersfield a fortnight ago, where brilliant 50-yard run down the, the right-hand side touchline. Great cross at the end of it and grabbing heads home for for 1-0 it was at the time. And there was the same on the opening day of the season, where he, he did very similar for Lyle Taylor against Coventry. Again, they went on to actually lose 2-1. But that's the, the, the supreme quality he's got at the minute that, He's just really good at, at travelling with the ball. And albeit he can do play out wide or play down the middle, I think his long-term future for me is as a central base player. Probably not as a striker, but certainly as a number 10. Again, in this Deli Alley mould where they can burst beyond the striker and offer something different. Um, or potentially, it depends It depends how functional the team he plays in is. But for me, I think his long-term future probably is as a central base player rather than a winger. I, I do think um, there's a market for those types of players. I do think there's a market. I think there's a growing players. market for it. I think you're absolutely right. I think we, we pointed it out earlier as well um, with Ndai, with these players that strikers are becoming more and more technical and technical-based. And you think of people like Roberto Firmino, Patrick Bamford, who like to come towards the ball. You've then still got that, you, you know, Years ago, it would have been the striker stretching the play. 
and obviously the number 10 potentially coming towards the ball or, or they're not being a number 10. But those roles have reversed, but there still is the need for someone to go and extend the pitch and, and to break beyond. And that's now becoming more traditionally the role of, of, of the withdrawn uh, attacking midfielder almost to, to go and break beyond the striker. And Brennan Johnson does that role really well. And I'm pretty confident to say that he's definitely going to be playing in the Premier League before Nottingham Forest are. Um, <laughs> because I think someone, someone's going to take a chance on him. Brentford were quite highly linked in the summer. Leeds United were as well. I could definitely see him getting picked up by Brentford. I think that that would be a role where, I think with even Tony, I think they could cause real problems in a 3-4-3, which is what Forrest have actually switched to now since Chris Hewitt's been sacked. I could see him playing in that sort of left channel with the, the licence to go infield and break beyond, but also um, make runs where the space is down the line as well. So I think he'd be a really good pickup for any Premier League club, to be honest, and at only 20. He's got so much potential and, and a goal-storing instinct as well. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be overlooked that he got double figures in his first real proper senior EFL season at Lincoln last year in a team that got to the playoff final in League One. So really competing at the highest level and he's been an instant pick for Nottingham Forest this season and a player that probably him and Colwell, I probably would say, have got the highest ceiling of those that we've gone through today. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you there um, in terms of the ceilings. And I'm, I'm pleased that you said about uh, him, his future potentially being sort of as a central player because um, yeah, it is very much in the channels where he does his best work rather than explicitly out wide when he has started and yeah. on the on the right hand side. You know, it's very when you're listening to a podcast or listening to radio commentary or something like that, it's very easy to sort of get in your head, you know, the type of a wide player getting down the the by getting down the, the touchline, getting to the byline, right near the corner flag and cutting it back. But with with Johnson, he's very much more of a sort of you know, we'll start out wide. We'll start by stretching the pitch and then sort of move inwards, uh, and that's that's where he's best, I think, for for me uh, and certainly for his teammates this season in in terms of the the creative aspect. Um, and yeah, uh, unless there is some sort of miraculous upturn in fortune for for Nottingham Forest, I do think that that Brennan Johnson might might outlast, um, might surpass them uh, in 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 a few years, uh, if not at the end of this season, if he continues to impress and and Brentford to Brentford that would be a smart move from a smart club really wouldn't it um so exactly yeah I, I do think that, that that you're right there especially with the the ceiling comment but um that's just about it for for us on the scouted football podcast uh this week uh and um yeah we've we've gone through six players Tyrese Donan, Shane Lavery, Illiman and Dai, Levi Colwell, Brennan Johnson and Scott Twine all but one being uh in the championship um Thank you very much to my guest for this week, Elliot Jackson of the Championship Chat Podcast. Um, where can people hear your unrivaled knowledge uh, on uh, the, the leagues below the Premier League uh, on a regular basis? You're not getting an extra fiver for that. It was a tenner for the <laughs> intro on the outro, just so you know. But yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24 or just search for us in uh, whatever podcast app you use on, on Twitter um, and Instagram and Spotify, Apple, all your usual places. Go and check us out. Drop us a follow in. If you're into the championship, then I like to think that we'll we'll give you a pretty uh, wide, extensive knowledge on that. Yeah, definitely. And and to follow Elliot on social media, that is at underscore Elliot Jackson. Uh, Elliot with two T's at the end. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for, for tuning in. This has been the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donoghue. Uh, hope you've learned something. Hope you've, uh, you've been intrigued by at least one of the players' backstories. But um, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. Take care. Bye for now.
For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.